Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Hope uh, you are already over the chief's loss. How many are already over it? How many are still struggling this morning? Uh, we will, let's pray for these two in the back. <laughs> Amen. I'm excited this morning. We are starting tomorrow our 21 days of fasting. And uh, just encourage all of you, before you start, look for the first few pages, especially page 8, that specifically tells you what we're doing. All right? It's... Um, it tells you about a full fast, partial fast, Daniel fast, an all-day fast, and this one's my favorite, media fast. Amen? That means put your phones away. That could be the Lord leading you in that direction. I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, so anyway, the, look at 8, and it goes through and talks about our goals. And then it's very simple. This is all there is. Every day is just kind of like a quote, talk about fasting and praying, and it has a some verse of scripture, and then a, a thought about fasting and praying, all right? And then over here is your journal. Now, we're praying as a church together for two things. Number one, we're praying that in this next year that we'll be able to reach out and reach 75 people that don't know Christ and bring them, introduce them to Christ, and they'll be saved. Can I hear an amen? amen. That's our goal. The first year of real life, there was like 86. Last year, we went way down to like almost 50, but not quite. And so this year, we want to just get back up there. We're reaching people for the Lord, all right? So, and then the rest of this, we want you to personally ask God what you need to pray about, because you need to pray about some things, right? And you need to fast. And so anyway, uh, I'm really excited just to see what God's going to do, all right? Excited to see what he's going to do in our lives as a church and our lives as an individual. And then as you can see, we're going to end the service. We're going to have some, some time with the Lord in communion. All right, so open your Bibles, if you would, please, to Matthew chapter 6 as we begin. We're going to talk about prayer this morning. Matthew chapter 6. Everybody have notes. You have your little, I want you to go along with us on this because this is a really important message, all right? It's not just talking about prayer. We're talking about intimacy with God. Look on your notes there. It says, intentional prayer paves the way for intimacy and a deeper relationship with God intentional, where you're really, you're not just praying, gimme, 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 help me, help me, help me, bless me, bless me, bless me. You're really getting down and you're focusing on Him. When you, when you do that, it paves the way, all right, for a relationship with God. Now, in, in Matthew chapter 6, what we see, what we're going to look at today, 5 and 6, it, it's an introductory to the Lord teaching us how to pray. Usually we jump on down to verse 9, and we say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. And we get down and we do teaching about that. Well, really before that, Jesus starts with 5 and 6. We usually pass right over that. So let's look at 5 and 6 as we get into this this morning. And uh, it says this, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corner and in the synagogue Anywhere, basically, they can be seen of men, all right? You can be seen of people. So Jesus is talking about, notice in your notes, an improper place to pray and a proper place to pray. The first one is an improper place to pray. And that is not that you can't pray publicly, 
But the point is, don't pray publicly to be seen of everybody so that you can look what? Spiritual. So men can admire you. So people can say, whoa, man, that guy, he, he's connected with God. He's grabbing a hold of the throne, the gates of heaven, and he's shaking them. I mean, a lot of people pray that way, all right, to be seen of men. But notice what he says. He says, uh, I tell you the truth. That is that is all, what's that? That is all the reward they will ever get. Kind of like fasting we talked about last week, okay? When people pray to be seen of men, all they're going to get is, wow. That's it. They're going to get a golf clap. How many, how, many, how many just love getting a golf clap? I mean, they notice you for maybe a minute, maybe an hour, maybe a day at the most, but then they even forget. So, so let's, all, let's, let's do this together. Everybody with me this morning? Let's do the golf clap. I can't hear you. Come on. There we go. I mean, is that enough? No way. I mean, who wants to just go to all that trouble, but we like to be puffed up. We like people to be focused on and, and, and make us feel good. Sometimes we like to brag about how spiritual. He, he says that's the only reward you'll ever get when you do it for that. Okay, so, so prayer is an important thing. And listen very carefully. This is kind of what we don't like. Place must also be an important thing. Because he says he talks about the improper place, then he talks about the proper place. Verse 6. When you pray, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you. That specifically talks about a room or it talks about a closet, right? Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you and I like the word openly. So there's a, there's a proper place to pray, but there's an improper place to pray as well. So there's nothing wrong with praying on the, on the run, right? We all do, right? How many pray driving? <laughs> it seems like anymore I turn the music down and so I can just pray. There's nothing wrong with praying on, on the road. There's nothing wrong with going down 65 85 mile an hour, you know, and you're, you're putting your makeup on and you got the cell phone in your ear. All right, you're just, how many, how many put the makeup on in the car? Is there anybody like that? <laughs> yeah, there's several. Okay, but you don't do 85, right? No. You, you know, yeah? Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. Where's our police officer? Did you see that hand? <laughs> right there. All right, you've got that. Okay, so, so there's, there's nothing wrong with those kind of things, but this is talking about something different. As a matter of fact, the word closet in the King James and the word room in most of the other translations is a specific Greek word that has evolved over time. So let me give it to you. The first, when Jesus, when it first came out and Jesus used it, it was talking about a hidden place where you hide things. Then it was talking about a safe place. Then as it evolved, this Greek word evolved in the way that they used it as the bed chamber. Everybody follow me? The bedchamber, where the husband and wife go off and they have their personal time together. That's the idea here. We go off and have our spiritual intimacy time with God. That's a whole different picture. Shut the door behind you. You and God alone. So, he's talking about 
something a little bit different than, uh, Lord, gimme, 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 help me, help me, help me, uh, bless me, bless me, bless me. Completely something totally different. Now, he goes into the third thing. Look at your notes. An intimate place. An intimate place. My wife and I have a good marriage. All right? Amen, honey? Yes, I just want that backed up. All right? Not just over here preaching. All right? We have a good marriage. Um, but if the only kind of conversation we had was, honey, it's your turn to pick up the kids. Uh, I got a meeting. Uh, we're battling over schedules. We're doing the budget. We're doing the financing. If all we ever did was carry on conversation on the go and running here and there and everywhere, there could be a little bit of distance between us. As a matter of fact, we've been married for several years, and uh, there's been several times when she would say, or I would say to her, uh, honey, I just feel a little distant. I feel a little disconnected. We need some time. Time to, to, to charge the batteries. Time to reconnect. And so what we would do, seriously, this is back in Nebraska. Uh, we haven't done it since. No, I'm kidding. Um, we would go to Omaha, two hours away. We, we would plan a day where we'd go to Omaha. Omaha is about a two-hour drive. And we'd get in the car. Now, in this disconnect, there was not in, like there was any problems. It was just a disconnect. She, she could be three feet away, and I just feel disconnected. So we'd go to Omaha, and we're driving down. It was just her and I, and we're just talking. We're talking about how we feel. Men, did you hear that? I talked to my wife how I feel. All right? We talk about what we think. And it's just two hours. We don't talk about church. We don't talk about that stuff, her job or my job. We're just, we were just talking. Then we'd get there, and there was this coffee shop called Paradise. Now, I don't like coffee. Don't drink coffee. But Paradise, I would drink their coffee because it was good stuff. So we'd sit there for a couple hours, seriously. And we would just stare in each other's eyes, and we would talk. And we might go to a movie because the movie house right next door had White Castle hamburgers. Preach it, baby. All right. And, and so we might, do, we might do a movie, you know, or we might just walk around and hold each other's hands. But it was a, it was a time for us to connect and have this intimacy, which, which God called us to have. Now, listen very carefully. Which is a mirror of what God wants our relationship with him to be. You see... You can talk to God a lot in the car. And if you're like me, you're always praying, saying, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me, give me, give me, give me. How, I mean, isn't that what we do? That's what we do. Lord, I need you to bless. I need you to show up. I need your hand to move in this given situation. Lord, I need, I need, I need, I need. Am I the only one? No. This is how we pray. So Jesus is talking about something completely different. You get behind the door, and it's just you and him. And you just sit there. And you talk to him about how you feel. Like he's across the room. Or like he's right next to you and you're staring at him. I mean, I don't want to talk to Jesus like he's not in the room. Can I hear an amen? Because he is in the room. So, so just talk to him. Like, this is how I feel, Lord. This is, this is what I'm thinking. I'm just not sure. How do you feel about it? And then after you're done talking, guess what? You sit still before the Lord and you listen. What happens? Your mind 
goes off, doesn't it? So you have to control your mind, control your thoughts, and bring it back to the conversation. It always goes off, and you've got to discipline yourself to bring it back, bring it back, bring it back to what you're talking about. And as you're talking, because we have this invisible God, and we drift. So we have to discipline ourselves and bring it back. And guess what? He will begin to talk. Because the Holy Spirit is faithful, and if you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And as you talk to God, He talks back with that still small voice with bringing back scripture to your mind so you're sitting in the bedroom you're sitting in your closet and boom i mean it's real but most people never feel connected so we're going to talk about that um my wife was on facebook the other day and she saw a girlfriend of hers and she had watched war room and so I want to play a vi- little clip of that, and then I'll get into the story about We've all seen that, and every time we watch that movie, doesn't something stir within us? It did Elizabeth, a friend of Judy's, and she went off and she made a closet, specifically, I mean, after seeing this movie, just this last week, she went out and made a, a war room in her house for her. So her daughter comes to her and says, Mommy, come here and look what I did. Look at this picture she put on it. This is her daughter's, like six years old, her daughter's war room. It's a cardboard box. And she put all these notes around. Isn't that cool? I mean, we hunger and long, and that's the, that's the fourth point on the first point, and that is, that is this. It's a desired place. We long to have that kind of intimate relationship with the Lord but we don't put the time in. It's like, yeah, we have time to fight with our husbands and our wives, like she said, but we don't have time to spend alone with God and let him do our battles. You see, the battle really is one on our knees. That's the biblical way. That's a scripture way, but how, many, how much time do we spend going off in our closet and spending just specific time alone with God? It's a desired place. Let's look, look at Psalms uh, 84.10. This is what David, now David is a wealthy king, could have anything he wanted. Now listen very carefully, anything he wanted. Matter of fact, he wanted a girl, went and got her, all right? We know the story there. This is what he says, a single day in the courts of the Lord is better than a thousand elsewhere. Now look at that word, better. The, The Hebrew word on that, better means best. It means favorite. Okay, so, so David, who could have anything, he says, my favorite place in the world is when I get alone, I shut the door, and I spend time alone with God. That, that intimate time where it's just him and I, and I'm talking, and he's talking to me. That is what David was saying. It's, it's that intimate time. So let's look at, go back to our text in Matthew chapter 6, because that just gives you uh, uh, the place. It talks about the place. Now let's talk about the reward. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 and verse 6. Okay? But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you. That's that specific place. And when you pray to your Father in private, everybody's catching what the drift here. Notice the word. What's it say? Then. Catch that? When you get alone privately, in your bedroom, or in your closet, all of a sudden, then your father who sees everything will what? 
rewards you. In other words, when we get alone with God and we're in our closet, we have this promise that we get our God's attention. Does everybody see that? Or is it just me? Then, then, the Father's actually looking down and He's paying attention like He doesn't, but He's paying attention and He's focused on you. You have that confidence. I'm here, Father. I've shut the door. It's just you and me. I have this promise that you're listening. Is that good or what? And 1 John chapter 5 and verse uh, uh, 15, 14 to 15 says, if we know that He hears us, we know that we have the desires that we ask for. So all of a sudden, we have this promise. So what I want to do for the, the rest of the message is I'm going to go through six things that we can actually rewards us for going away in this privateness with the Lord. All right, six things. Number one, we have he makes known to us the path of life. In other words, our God will direct us. We have that promise. Go with me to uh, Psalm 1611. We'll actually put the verse up here. Okay, so, so David saw, he says, You will show me the path of life. When? In your presence is fullness of joy. He's talking about this time of prayer, this time when I'm in pres- the presence of the Lord. When I'm in the presence of the Lord, he shows me the path of life. Number one, how, much of, how many times do you and I need direction in life? All the time. I, I, is this the girl I'm supposed to be dating? Right? Is this the one for me? Am I supposed to go off to college? Am I supposed to switch this job? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to spank this child? I'm talking about the child, not the husband. All right? Am I supposed to do this? I mean, give you a couple examples. Big decisions in life. I was uh, buying a company, a metal spinning company, and God was doing something in my heart, and I just didn't know what it was. I'd go to church, this little bitty church of 60 people in, in uh, Brazil, Indiana. It was called Calvary Baptist Church. And Tim wasn't born, but Jason was. And so we're going to this church, it's just the three of us. And every time I'd go there, there's this overwhelming desire to reach more people for Christ, to get more people saved. I mean, that, not to preach, just to get people saved. And I was fighting with that. So we had this couch, this, this, this couch that had turkeys on it it was remember that couch honey it had kind of brownish dark red turkeys that weird that was my uh, that was my space in the mornings and at night and I'd, I'd fall on my knees on the floor and put my head in that cushion and I would cry out to God God I just don't know what to do I have this business right in front of me that I can make a good living for my family, but I have this overwhelming desire to serve you and, and, and to give my all to you. And I fought with God, and sure enough, he, he literally directed me to walk away from that business. And then I'm in school. It's coming to the last year of Bible college, and I'm serving God, pouring my whole life into this church of Andy Green's. And where am I going to go? And so, again, by this time I have four kids. And within Bible college, we were, we were busy, okay? So we're, I got my head on the couch, got my knees on the floor, and I'm begging God, show me where you want me to go. Show me. And through praying, I kid you not, I had all of the United States, and even further, through praying, he led me down to Nebraska and Iowa. So I kept on praying, and then he led me to two cities, one in Iowa and one in Nebraska. 
I mean, he kept talking to me. He kept leading me all the ways that he talks. And finally, we went out to visit. We had two cities. We went out to visit Nebraska. We drive in this city. My wife and I, she's in the front seat. I'm in the back with Pastor Evelyn. And we're driving around, and we're just begging God to show us if this is the place. As we drive out, we both were crying, knowing this was the place. I'm telling you, God directs your path when you spend some time alone, privately with him. That's the promise we have in this verse. The next one, okay? He makes known the path of life. Number two, the fullness of joy. Look at this verse. Let's go back to the verse, okay? You will show me the path of life in your presence is a little bit of joy. Uh, Just a tad drop of joy. Does everybody see? Is it just me or does the scripture come alive? The fullness of joy in his presence. Not as I'm driving down 65 doing 85, all right? When I'm in his presence and I'm focused specifically on him, there's this promise of fullness of joy. Now, the Bible says rejoice always, and again I say rejoice, even when your team loses, when your team wins. We are to rejoice, all right, when we have problems, so on. How can we have fullness of joy? Let me give you three thoughts. That's not in your notes. Just write these down if you'd like, all right? Three thoughts. We have fullness of joy in God when that joy outweighs all other competing emotions. Now guys, this is, this is deep, all right? We have competing emotions going on in our lives. It's not just joy. It's not just sadness. It's not, let me say it again, okay? We experience fullness of joy in God when that joy for God outweighs all other competing emotions. I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 10. We're going to do some teaching here, all right? Follow me. Paul is saying our hearts ache. I mean, he's being persecuted big time. I mean, people are turning, their, turning on him, and they're persecuting him and doing all kinds of evil things. So his heart is heavy. He's aching. But he said, but what does it say? But we always have joy. The idea is we have these competitive, competitive emotions that are flaring. Who are we going to give into? We're going to give into the, the woe is me because everybody's against me and everybody's attacking me and they're running me out of the city. They don't want me to start a church here, so they're moving me down the road. Should I get woe is me and focus on that? When we do, the joy is gone. Paul doesn't do that here. I constantly have joy. Notice his perspective. We are poor, but we give spiritual riches. <laughs> you don't have a dime and two nickels to rub together, as my grandma would say. You know, I just don't have nothing. But David, or Paul says, I have all these spiritual riches that I'm giving to people. That's, that's, where, that's where he's talking. And it says, uh, we are we own nothing, yet we have everything. Fantastic stuff. All right? The, the thought is, when you get along with God, He gives you this great perspective when He begins to talk to you. We'll go over that in just a moment. Secondly, still under this thought about fullness of joy. We have fullness of joy when we know 
our search for satisfaction is over. We have fullness of joy when we know that that search for satisfaction is over. You've got to scratch something on the inside and you just can't get to it. There's this urge to satisfy and nothing seems to satisfy. Well, when you come to the place where you know Jesus is it, look what, look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 8. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when we compare it with the infinite value of knowing Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else. Count it as garbage. Uh, uh, that term doesn't do it justice. The, the, the King James says dung, uh, which means what? Doo-doo. You guys use that word at your home, doo-doo. My doggy potties and doo-doos, all right? So, so here, Paul says, I count it as dung that I can win, gain Christ. So, so look at the perspective that Paul had. It's fantastic. I mean, he's longing to know Christ, not longing to be rich, not longing to be famous, not longing to be loved. It's just he's longing to know Christ more and more. And when we get to that place where he's, what we're striving for, there is this lasting joy. We have fullness of joy, number three. We have fullness of joy when it overflows with gladness in song. (laughs) In gladness in song. Notice in Ephesians chapter 5 here. Notice what this says. Don't be drunk with wine because it ruins your life. I like that. I like that. It's pretty cool. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs amongst yourself. Making music to the Lord. Where? In your hearts. When you begin to overflow, man, that's joy. Singing and worshiping God. Even when circumstances aren't that great. So fullness of joy. All right? So he makes known the path, number one. Number two, uh, he gives us the fullness of joy. Number three, he gives us eternal pleasures. Let's go back to Psalms 1611 and look at that one more time. Okay? You show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, notice this. At your right hand, there are what? Pleasures evermore. We're looking for pleasures, aren't we? We're running around looking for pleasures in everything else. But what about this? I mean, evermore. I mean, when we go in and we shut that door, he's going to direct us. He's going to give us joy. And we're going to have pleasures. I mean, I didn't make this up. This is in his presence. These are the promises that you and I have. If we just claim them, if we get off to our room and say, oh, I don't have time for that. Get up earlier. I don't have time for that. Stay up later. I don't have time for that. Turn the TV off. Or better yet, turn the phone off. Facebook. Anybody have, anybody struggle with Facebook? Remember, I told you when you're waiting on something in the restaurant, we pull it up. We're always connected to our phones. We're always wanting to see what everybody else wants, everybody's doing. Do we really care? I mean, we do. But do we? I mean, I mean, there's people I haven't seen in years that are on, on my wife's phone. There's people on her phone. I don't even know who they are. 
but I'm strolling. Now, this is how I look at Facebook. Anybody do it like that? Why am I doing that? It's because you've showed me that, and I'm following the lead. It's our culture, isn't it? It's what we do. I mean, we're just following. We're doing what everybody else is doing, all right? Pleasures evermore, all right? And then, and then this one in, uh, helps us see the bigger picture. Acts chapter 5, verse 40 and 41. So when you're alone with God, he literally shows you the bigger picture. It's not just all about you. It's not about Tim Fleener's kingdom. It's about his kingdom. It's all about him. In Acts chapter 5 and verse 40, the apostles were preaching the word of God and the church was growing. People were getting saved. Uh, uh, and so what happened is the, the scribes and the Pharisees called in the disciples. Okay? And this, is, this is talking about the other advice. They called in the apostles and had them flogged. They beat them. Then they ordered them never again to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. Verse 41. Okay. Now, now you know the apostles. That this is just after. This is chapter 5. This is just after they spent chapter 1 and chapter 2. I mean, in chapter 3 in, in the presence of God, fasting and praying. Okay. The apostles left the high council. What's that word? Rejoicing. Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody's going to flog me, I'm not going to be too happy about it. Anybody like me? If anybody talks about me, I'm not going to be happy about it. If I get a flat tire, I'm not going to be happy about it. Last night, a friend of mine called and said, I'm out hunting. I got this deer. I gutted it. All right? And I, I drug it to my truck. It took me two hours to drag it to my, drag it to my truck. So he drug it to his tr- truck. He said, I get my truck, and the truck doesn't turn over. Well, I have people over my house last night. We're getting ready. I mean, literally, getting ready to sit down to eat. And I'm thinking, wrong time, buddy. Sorry. Click. <laughs> I didn't do that. <laughs> I wanted to. All right. He's interrupting me. Because how am I going to find him way out in this desert of a God-forsaken country around here, Right? Out there in the boondocks, he got this deer, drug it two hours. Can you imagine where he's at? And how am I, city boy, going to find him? Oh, you turn at the barn that was painted five years ago, right? So I, I, I'm, I'm freaking out, right? What am I going to do? So I get my truck, I'm driving, I, I pull, driving, and he calls me and says, oh, I got somebody to come. The, the wrecker's going to come, and, and, and so, so it's like a, a huge, all right? My point is simply this. When somebody, you know, puts us out just a tad bit. It kind of ruffles our feathers. Can I hear an amen? We're, at, we're, we're checking out at the restaurant or, or somewhere, and, 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 and somebody doesn't give us the right change, or they're smart off to us. What do we do? Boom! Okay? And so, so that's us. Here, they rejoice. Look at the bigger picture. They rejoice that they were counted worthy to be beaten like the Son of God was beaten. To suffer like him for doing what he did. It's fantastic. The bigger picture. When we go through these situations, we need to see the bigger picture. And then number, uh, uh, what is it? Five. All right, because we need to get down to the last one. Uh, Romans 15, 13, he fills us with peace. Okay, look, look at this verse. I pray that God, the source of hope, 
will fill you completely with joy. And then what's that next word? Peace. Because you trust him. There's a peace to be had when you spend time with him. And then I like the rest of the verse. Then you, let's go back to the verse 12 there again, or the verse, first part of that verse. Look at this. Then you will. It's a promise. Now go to the next verse, our next portion. Overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So there's this overflowing confidence that comes when we trust God and we're spending time alone. Well, let's, just, let's just think about this. All right. So you go to the Lord, and it's just you and him in the closet. You and him in the bedroom. You and him, you got your head on the couch in the front room. Okay? Whatever room. And th- I can just picture us saying, Lord, at least me, Lord, there's no way I can do what you want me to do. I, there's no way that I can teach that Sunday school. There's no way that I can go to that nursing home and, and speak to those elders. There's no way... I just feel worthless. Lord, what do you think? It's just you and him. Nobody's around. You, you don't have to worry about impressing anybody. He already knows what's going on. And so you're being honest, and he says, uh, you know, I think I created you in my image. I mean, I breathed in the breath of life, and I created you in my image. Not only that, Ephesians 2.20, or no, 2.10, says that you are my, what's that, what's that word? Masterpiece. So you're sitting there praying, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit tells you that he created you, you're his masterpiece, and all of a sudden, I mean, he promises to speak to us when we're alone with him, right? And all of a sudden, he tells you that you are his masterpiece. If you're listening, if you're just not in that stage, give me, give me, give me, help me, help me, help me, bless me, bless me, bless me, Lord, do, 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 do. If you stop long enough to listen about your, you know, and tell him how you feel and tell him what you think, oh, I'm nothing compared to this guy or I'm nothing compared to this woman. I'm just nothing, Lord. He's going to literally tell you, you are my masterpiece. I created you specifically for a purpose. Then all of a sudden, confidence begins to well up why because the god of the universe actually said you are valuable to me but you have to be quiet long enough to listen you have to discipline yourself to go off in that closet to receive these rewards because he promises you when you do it he sees and he rewards you're just but lord you know i just i just feel so weak I just, just weak. And then the Lord says, you know, in your weakness is when I'm strong. <laughs> How many ever said, Lord, I'm just so weak. I just, I can't do it. Lord, I don't want to do it. And he says, in your weakness, my strength is made powerful. Things begin to change. If you're just listening. This is just a teaching moment of us getting behind closed doors, shutting the door, and spending time alone with God. He does speak. When you talk to him and then you shut up for a few moments and listen, 
You're just not all about talking. Because the Bible commands us to go before the Lord and be still. And let the Lord speak. And then uh, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Uh, God has not given us the spirit of fear. How many of us fear a lot? We all do. How many find ourselves in a situation of fear? Well, that's our flesh. Because the spirit of God in us, in us and that's what he's going to say to us when we're talking to him about our fear and how we fit how we fear he's going to take us or the holy spirit's going to reveal this verse to us he's given us the spirit of of power of love and of discipline i'm the worst disciplined person in the world but when i'm surrendered to the spirit of god and he's got me in this niche on what he wants me to do i'm disciplined because the spirit of god is taking control and i'm not out of the sphere the sphere that he's called me to do Okay, it's just, it's, it's listening, talking to like a person next to you. And God promises he will listen. Let's go to Psalms 40, verse 5. One more. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward me. Okay. So as you're sitting there and you're praying and you're quiet, then all of a sudden this comes to you that, what, God? Am I really on your mind? Am I really what you're thinking about? Notice what else it says. It goes on. No one can compare. Let's go on to the next part. It says, with you. If I would declare to speak of his works and his thoughts towards me. Understand it. If I would try to declare, there are too many to be numbered i'm always on god's mind (laughs) is it crazy so i'm sitting here and i'm worried about all these things and i'm telling him and he says listen i got this it's okay i think about you all the time and when you begin to do and you and you have this conversation with god and you're throwing up all your weaknesses you're throwing up all your fears and you're giving him all of it he calms you down with all of these wonderful truths from the book it's fantastic And then you come away charged up. Because you're believing what Scripture says because God literally sat down with you and had this conversation. That's why the apostles were able to die for the cause of Christ. Give their life, not just a little bit of their time, give their lives. Because they had... The Sanhedrin had called them to to, uh, James and John. And was again going to tell them not to preach. And this is what they said. They took notice. They noticed that they had been with Jesus. Why? It goes on to say, because of their boldness. <laughs> when, you, when you're alone with the Lord and you spend that time, you have all these wonderful promises you can grab a hold of, but you also the result is you have this great boldness for the cause of Christ. Because you're clinging to all these promises. You're not clinging to to a a bar of soap that's wet that you can't grab or or your dog that's running from you. No, it's a promise you can grab up and you can claim and you can live, stand on these these promises. 
but it's not going to be real. Let's just put this. You're always going, God, bless, God answers prayers, and you can pray on the run, you can do that, but you're not going to feel this connection, this closeness that we all want to feel until we get in the bedchamber with God, in that closet, in that room, where it's just you and him. And that's what this, this 21 days of fasting, it's all of us going off by ourselves. Now, I know this is, this is a different kind of preaching, but you go back to Acts chapter 6 and verse 5 and 6. It's, it's, the, it's the setting the stage for how to pray. It's fantastic stuff. So let's, as a church, let's, let's take this verse and take this promise and go off and have our war room, so to speak. Have our specific couch, designated place with no one around, just you and God. Let's pray. Father, I know this is a, a different kind of verse, but it does set the stage, Father, for what you have for us in the next three weeks. And so, Father, I thank you for this wonderful uh, revelation. I thank you for the promise that you're going to see and you're going to reward. And, Father, we anticipate, we're excited about what's going to happen in the next few weeks. So, Father, we pray that you would bless. And, Father, we'll give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So, this morning before we're dismissed, we're going to have communion. And so, uh, I'm going to read some verses, and we're going to talk about communion. And then we're going to have everybody on this side come up here. And get both, get your bread and get your cup, and then go back and sit down. And those of you on this side, and you can go this way, and come around and get your bread and your cup. Now I'm going to read some verses, and we're going to explain communion a little bit. And then we're going to ask you to come up and and get your uh, cup and your bread. So Paul the Apostle was telling the church at Corinth, and he's explaining to them about the Lord's Supper. And he says in verse 24, or verse 23, he says, I pass on to you that which I received from the Lord himself, that on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took the same bread. Verse 24. And he gave thanks to God for it, and he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with his blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. The first thought is that communion is for his people. If you're saved this morning, we invite you to come up. If you're not saved, this is, this is basically for the family. Okay, It's for his church. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ, you don't know if you're saved. And, and it's not going to hurt you. Uh, uh, you're, you're, you're not saved yet. But this is for the Lord's people to practice. And then it says, as often as you do this, there's no set time. Some churches do it every week. Some churches do it every month. Some churches do it every quarter. We strive to do it as the Lord leads us. And we wanted to do this new year starting out taking communion. Okay? And so the bread represents his body. The juice represents his blood. The body which is mutilated for us, the Bible says that, when, he was, when they were done beating him, you couldn't even recognize he was a man, okay? 
The blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sin. And as we come and partake of this, the Lord says specifically, he tells us, verse 31, but when we're ready to take, he said, but let us examine ourselves first so that we're not judged by God in this way. Yet when you're judged of the Lord, you are disciplined so that you won't be condemned of the, the world. So and then he goes on to say, but have a time of where you, you come and you literally examine yourself to see if there's any sin in your life, there's anything there, and then confess it and then partake together. So we're going to have a few minutes right here as, as the instruments play quietly. We're going to give you a few minutes to just say, Lord, is there anything in my heart that might keep me from taking the Lord's Supper? I mean, this is important, okay? Because if there is sin in your life, you need to deal with it because that's what the Bible says. Deal with it, get rid of it, confess it, and then partake. It never says, well, I have sin, so I can't partake it. No, it doesn't say that. It says, confess your sin, and he'll forgive you, and then you can partake. So let's just have a few minutes, have heads bowed, eyes closed, as we just reminisce and, and just thinking about if there's anything. Ask the Lord, is there anything in my life that needs to be confessed? I need to deal with right now before I take communion.